Outcast UK on TikTok and Instagram. Just search Play Outcast UK. This is a podcast where we're going to hear from the voices in the community that don't always get heard. And this podcast is an extreme coming out story. Nick Charles is 32, he's recently graduated from uni in Liverpool, and he's an up-and-coming podcaster and radio presenter. He lives in Manchester now, but he was born in Trinidad and Tobago. A decade ago, Nick claimed asylum in the UK because of the deteriorating situation for LGBTQ people in the Caribbean country at the time, after he was outed to family by an ex-boyfriend and then put through religious conversion therapy. On this episode, he talks about it all openly for the first time. We shall have a war with the homosexual lobby. A filthy, filthy disease. This footage, which went viral, shows the moment a mob brutally attacked two naked men suspected of being gay with nail-studded clubs. People around me are being killed. Like, I've lost so many friends back home. Not only to, like, to sickness and disease, but also to, like, hate crimes. A document leaked to Channel 4 News adds weight to concerns that the threshold for gay asylum cases is too high. I remember I was going to funerals probably every other week for someone I know. Outcast UK with Graham Smith. When I first moved to the UK, like, 11 years ago, you know, when I came on that little banana boat, floating over, be like, hi, bitch. <laughs> Hi, bitch, I'm gay, I'm here. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> yeah. First words. Yeah, it's like, hiya, I'm gay and I'm here. When I first moved to the UK, like, um, I always thought that it was a very safe haven for, you know, the LGBTQ+, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to live here. Um, But I feel like in recent times, it's just been really fucking bad. Why do you think it is? I don't understand. You know what? I feel like, I feel like, because we've been in isolation for so long, people don't know how to fucking act anymore. I think that's what it is, you know. They don't know how to appreciate everyone else being different to them. And I feel like, the, I think as well, when the bigots has been stuck inside for so long, reading the fucking, you know, the conspiracy theory, they've mm. built themselves into bigger bigots. And then mm. they just think, you know, well, we run the fucking place. And it's like, we as a community, it's so good when we stand up and say, you know, well, you know, we go out and we march and we protest and stuff. But if that just doesn't do enough that we need, there's more needs to be done. I don't, I, don't, I don't know who to turn to in that situation because it's like, you can't just turn to the police and be like, we need to, we could have so much more people, yes, walking up and down patrolling the streets, but what can we as a society really, you know, put into people's head that, you know, because at the end of the day, we're all just going to fucking die. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. One in five LGBTQ people in the last 12 months have experienced a hate crime or incident because of their sexual orientation and or gender identity. Four in five anti-LGBTQ hate crimes and incidents go unreported and younger people in particular are reluctant to go to the police. Now, that's the context of the whole country. In Liverpool in the last week, there's been five homophobic attacks. Yeah. Right. That we know of. Yeah, that we know of. That yeah. we know of, yeah. Which like, is sad. Just down the road from my house a few months ago, I wasn't attacked, but um, I got some stuff shouted at me and that's not happened to me since I was a fucking teenager. Like that was the last time something like that happened to me and I feel like everyone sort of reverted back to the 90s. I felt like like yesterday when I went into town, I saw like, it's mainly young people right marching and I was like, it reminded me of like the 90s mm-hmm. when I was like 16. Yeah. Towards the end of the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> At the absolute end of the 90s. Um, and we went out marching about Section 28. And I thought, well, that's that done. We've done that now. 
And I thought, like, kids nowadays, they wouldn't do that. And then they were out doing it. And I thought, oh, fair play to us. The turnout was tremendous. Yeah. The turnout was absolutely huge. Yeah. It, and it's nice to see as well, because I feel like more and more, as you know, as we, as our society brought, you know, widens, we have so much more allyships and stuff. I think what's really sad is the fact that these attacks are happening in the month of pride, the one month people get to be themselves and you see more and more companies, yes, true and a bit about a saying we're inclusive here and there, which is good. But at the same time, I feel like companies that really, you know, throw a banner during Pride Month do more, do more through all the year because this is this 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 is what really annoys me, the fact that these people are like jumping on the bandwagon and saying, oh, we support the LGBTQ+, but do you actually call out homophobia when you see it? Do you call out racism when you see it? And then think to yourself, companies who are like, you know, portraying that we are like, we're really, we're really inclusive. We really love the gays and we love the trans, but what is, what, by you just saying that you love our community and you want to be part of it, but you're just ticking boxes because you want to make the diverse quota every month and be like, you oh, look at make us. more money as well. Yeah. And it's like, if you, if you as a company really care more about, you know, homophobia and these things happening, do more. Don't just stick a, a, a nice little flag in the window and be like, we love the, hi gay, we love you. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen that TikTok. I've seen that TikTok. We're sashing away with deals. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of, um, a lot of companies are just putting a little pride logo in the corner, aren't they, on their, on yeah. their socials. And like, that's enough. And then if you look at them around the world, like the, as it was Mercedes Benz was one of them. Oh. And in the EU, there was a big pride flag. And in the yeah. US, there was a big pride flag. The Saudi Arabian one, no, they kept quiet there. Mm-hmm. And so, so tell me that's not just about money and just yeah. about knowing that, oh, some gay people have got a bit of money and they might want to yeah. buy a Mercedes. Yeah. So. We're gay that, I don't know about you, but most of us gays, we're just depressed and sad. And yeah. poor. Yeah. And in debt. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the reaction to the um, to these assaults that's been in Liverpool. It's probably scared people. Yeah, it you has. get about in town. We both yeah. in Liverpool. You get about in town all the time. I do. I'm always like zipping and out to work and that. And like a lot of people know I'm gay. And I thought at some point someone's gonna. <gasps> You're gay. I am. Sorry, this is the moment to announce. It. Oh my god! Some, one one day I was like, what if someone just comes up to me and just like bang? Because in the nineties that would have happened. And in yeah. the nineties and like the the early noughties when I was like coming out, I left Liverpool. Like I forget you're a fossil. I am, I'm 38. <laughs> I am a fossilised gay. <laughs> we dug up. Oh my God. Um, and there's lots of like, if there's a few calves in town now that are going, um, right, we'll meet you at the train station. We'll walk around with you if you feel like not safe in the city centre. Yeah. How sad is that? that that's is where sad. we're up to. Yeah. We wasn't like that though. It wasn't like this a year ago. No. It's just massively just changed all the blue. And and I think to myself, where where did where where did where did the switch happen? Because we didn't see it. No, it I just can't happened. I can't say to you, well, okay, well I could see this happened here and then boom, there was a switch. No. Nothing. Like I feel like the most I feel like and Liverpool itself is a community. Like I've lived here for the past four years. And even when the Black Lives Matters March happened mm-hmm. last year with George Floyd and all that. Yeah. And Liverpool for me has always been a place where you sense that community. So f- to see these things happening on my front door is really disheartening. And it's really upsetting, yeah. isn't it? For me, my identity is what gay, scouse, and to see that attacked for me personally, it was horrible. Yeah. It really was horrible to see. No, I've known you like, what, six months, something like that, right? Six months. It is six months. Isn't oh it? my god! I swear. You know what? I feel like we've known each other for longer. Yeah, I know. That, I was, know. that is scary. Yeah, that it's just six months. Yeah. But it's, we've known each other about six months. I haven't hated you yet, so that's good. And in, <laughs> and in the uh, in that six months, you appeared in you appeared in Attitude. Yes. And you've got the most incredible story that literally takes into account 
loads of things that are really hot right now, loads of issues that are really, really interesting. And to meet you, you would never think that a load of these things happen to you. No. So you are from Trinidad originally. Mm -hmm. Yes. Indeed. Born and bred. Born and bred in Trinidad. Yeah, I was born in Trinidad, Tobago. Um, It's really crazy because, like, um, moving across to the UK, like, because I grew up in a very... um, just above the bread, the the breadline, um, single parent, um, dad who was a massive, um, massive drug addict. I, so I broke, I grew up in a really broken home, and um, of course, um, when I was thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, I kind of like, I kind of like was realizing my sexuality was different to everyone else. But I grew up in a um a religious house and religion is a massive thing in the Caribbean like they take religion like they believe in God from like the second you were born you must be baptized you must go to church you must do first communion all that stuff and of course yeah of course I was an altar boy you know I was a choir How boy. did no one know I was gay? Like <laughs> People always say that. Well, I'm robes. <laughs> yeah, right? Because yeah. th- those robes are drag race quality. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, they're like, bitch, let me just, you know, show up and look. <laughs> yeah, show up here looking like a queen. Um, yeah, and I was, li- I literally was like on there, like from a young age. And then every single time I would lis- or listen to, the, listen to the, the priest talk about like religion and you know about sexuality was always Adam and Eve Adam and Eve Adam and the second that you know anything happened with like you know homosexuality is like oh and then of course if you were back then in Trinidad if you were you know found to be caught in any kind of sexual activity of a homosexual agenda you can go to prison you can go to prison for 25 years wow 25 and I mean so that's that not still the case or well no it's changed it's changed thanks to a lot of people that work in the UK they moved they changed that law which is amazing so Jason was one of the guys that helped change that law he done a lot I'm really grateful for that but um yeah and I am um, my, I think I was saying this in attitude in my in my, in my um, article when I was being interviewed. Like I didn't get to come out, so I had this ex boyfriend, and he literally like. So back then we, I used to have to, I couldn't call him from because my my parents used to record phone calls. By the way, well, yeah, I, what everything that happened on the phone in your house yeah, was recorded. Yeah, it was so because we had like Why? a. I don't I don't know. So ask me. My mom was deaf for one little big brother. She's a Karen from a young age. Rose, if you're listening, you are a Karen. She knows it as well. Caribbean Karen. Yeah, Caribbean Karen living her best life. Um, And I was like, so I used to have to call my then boyfriend. No, back then, we didn't have Instagram and, and, and yeah. you know, all these apps. Like call I, on the house phone. Yeah. And you know how I met my ex-boyfriend from our newspaper ad? Shut up. Yes. I've, I've got mates that came up just before I did in the late 90s who met people through the contact advert. Right. I've got one of my mates from Staffordshire met a vicar, right? <gasps> In oh my the, god! Oh man, looking for this, and then they wrote to each other, and then met one day. Yeah. Like mad, mad. Yeah. And then ten years later, you've got mobile phones. Yeah, well, that's what happened. I used to write to him letters and stuff, and my mommy's be like, "Who's this?" I was like, "My pen pal." <laughs> <laughs> that's cute though. Yeah. <laughs> so then after like, I didn't even get so I so then like, but then like, he was a model. He was beautiful, like re like model material. Not now he's he, now he's a cunt. Anyway, <laughs> um, but he um. I we had a really good really we we dated for five years and then when we broke up when I was so like between which ages is this go on just so I, I was can build fifteen a mental picture. right I was fifteen when I had my first boyfriend right yeah why why are we loving why are we loving life that young fifteen basically because he was going up that model esque life he was like oh I'm getting all these things people are like calling me I'm like that's good for you you know live for you and then he was like 
why you're not happy for me i was like well in reality you're basically like because he wanted us to be a bit more out and i was like we can't do that like you could do that because you you're from a caucasian background was it? and yeah and your family could like because his family was canadian Nice. And they live in like the white side of Trinidad. So in that, their communities, it's very much like hush hush. But people know, but it's very like under yeah. the radar. And I was like, I can't come. I can't have that same conversation with your parents that you could have because we're, I'm not there yet. Yeah. And not even that, like you, you know, the consequence. Like if you, if you were to come out and say X, Y, and Z because of your skin tone and you know, your back, because he, he comes from a fairly rich family. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you could do that, but I can't. And he was like, well, okay, cool. And he was like, well, I'm, I think we should come out. I'm like, no, I'm not. And I ended it that same afternoon. I went, no, that same. So I went to school the next day because I was still in high school. Yeah. We, um, I went to school in the morning. I came back from school. I didn't call him because usually I used to call him from the payphone near my school oh, every morning at was seven this, o'clock. Was this because you knew your mom and dad yeah, recorded the phone calls? Exactly. So I used to like get my little pennies and be like, go to the phone, but they'd be like, hi, I'm calling my boyfriend. Amazing, right? And my friends would be like, who are you calling? The neighbor's business. Um, and every then like, same time. I didn't call him one morning yeah. and he was like, that's, he knew we were over. Two o'clock that afternoon, he rang my mom. And my stepdad, who was homophobic as fuck, I was like, oh, yeah, um, just letting know Nick's gay and we've been together for the past five years. So what was the... What happened Listen, I got home and I had every single member of my family in that house. It was like walking into a war. It was like, so little old me with my backpack straight from school. And then I walked in and it was like... Nicholas, we need to talk. I know whenever someone calls you by your, by your full name, yeah, it's time. Down, yeah. And then it was like, oh, um, so we have a call from a so-and-so person today. It's like, apparently you've been in a homosexual relationship for the past five years. Oh, my God. I cannot tell you in that moment, the world felt like the biggest place in the world. Now, imagine me at 17 Entire family, so it was like a courtroom. It was yeah. like a big family meeting where they were going to go, listen, we've got to stop this. Yeah. Is that what it was? Listen, the next day I was seeing a priest to get exercised. The next day. I got, how does that, like, because, how does that work? Because, how do you get exercised? Because, and the thing is, the Caribbean, they see, like, this, like, a demon or back something. then, homosexuality was like an entity. Right. So it was like, oh, you're possessed. And I was like, girl, no. Sucking dick is not possession. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> like, get it right. It's in fucking the position of the ex of Emily Rose. Yeah. Like, no. And I was like, and literally, so it was kind of like, you know, that thing, like, it's like that, that therapy that, that they go, that people Conversion go therapy. Yeah, it was kind of like that. So and what, what, tell us how it, how it works. Listen. So it's kind of like a religious based conversion yeah. therapy where you've got a demon inside you yeah. that needs bringing out. You know, like how, how you framed. see American f- TV, like, you know, when you go to the churches, like the Holy Spirit. Is and that? they're like, yeah, it was like touching of hands and, you know, chest and holy water. And there's like, and I'm just like, nothing is wrong with me here. I am just gay. Oh, bye. Back then. Cause I was like, I had, I was all over the place. Mm. I, st- I started in that position. Yeah, and I was like, no, I like boys and girls. It's great. And it was like, yeah, and I was I was fully co- like con- conversion therapy. For my- and you know what's interesting? I look back and I think to myself, that I almost didn't make it out alive after that. So, that sent me under. Yeah, it was. Yeah, at 17 to be yeah. going through that. Plus, you're living, because society is telling you, you can't be homosexual. Your parents telling you, the church is telling you, 
and all this thing and there's there's nothing there there's no even glimmer of hope to be like okay well this is something because you think you're born wrong and and at that time i had a homophobic stepdad the next like the week after that whole thing happened and i got like outed and all this the hell after i got kicked out on the street like i was made homeless so you have nowhere to go literally your boyfriend's you're not in a relationship with your boyfriend anymore yeah you've been through this mad conversion therapy where it's Treated like an... I've never heard that. Yeah, Treated like an exorcism. exorcism. Yeah. And then the next week, I was literally kicked like out. kicked out. Such a common experience for like yeah. young LGBTQ plus people to be just it's 16, sad, kicked out. Yeah. And I had friends when I was younger who were like kicked out by parents. I was like, what? Yeah. And I, I, look back, I, think, I look back at that and think to myself, I almost didn't make that out alive. Isn't that mad? A lot of kids would have killed themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And that's so scary. So crazy, that conversion therapy. I know, crazy, right? You ended up in the UK. Yeah, like 11 years ago. So that's a crazy story as well. That's a crazy story. And that's off the back of what was happening. That was that, that was on the back of me like being in. So I went to, um, I was involved in a lot of like hate crimes back home. And um, I just had enough of it. And you know, what because- What sort of was, thing happened? Like I remember this one, this one, oh my God, this one specific thing. Um, I was at a party with my friends one night and these group, these, these massive group of lads just ran into this gig. So in Trinidad, we used to have undercover gay nightclubs. So it was like, very, to. it was very much like Morse code. If yeah. you, you had to know someone to know someone to know someone to gain, because it was very much like underground. Like the UK in like the 1950s yeah. or something. Like, yeah. you know, like a really speakeasy kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And um, I remember like these group of guys just ran into this, this, this party we was in and you just seen glass bottles and bricks just being pelt, being thrown everywhere at everyone. And at a whole party, just gay people. Graham, I literally had to dive, roll and run for cover because it was like, it was literally an, an attack. Did you feel like you were going to be killed or something? Yeah, I def- you know what? In my head, that's it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, well, this is it. And you know what? I remember hiding behind hiding behind like a crate um beer crates yeah hiding behind that and like toppling down with so like me and my friend could like hide and i was like if they show up here because you know if these guys have guns or whatever and i think to myself we're gonna death or die and i was like this isn't for me and i started to look into what what do i do because at that time like people around me are being killed like i have lost so many friends back home not only to not only to like you know to sickness and disease, but also to like hate crimes. And I was like, if you what? know people that are that are being killed from hate, yeah, crimes. I know. I think I've lost about maybe twelve friends. Wow, in my life wow. back home to just being like wow. killed. I can't. It's crazy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Back then, you either hear one at least one trans person being killed a day, or a gay person being killed, and it was it was like it was like it becomes second nature eventually because you get so used to it you don't know what to do i remember i was going to funerals probably every other week for someone i know and it was just like and i had that moment where it just clicks and i was like i am too young this like and, and at that time you start thinking right my life my my lifeline is on a limit here yeah, it's, yeah. i i don't think i'm gonna last very long because at that time i wasn't out fully either I was still, you know... Do you think that's what was keeping you safe a bit? Yeah, of course. Because I was, you know, I was under that radar, flying really low. Like, ooh, you know. And because, of course... And I was very straight passing. Not, no, not, no. Mary fucking Poppins. <laughs> you, 
<laughs> Nick does this thing with his headphones. He pretends he's got like a ponytail. It's <laughs> true, it's background. Yeah. But now it's like, yeah. And I feel like, so that was my safeguard yeah. because I was just passing. But there are people who was themselves and they were being killed. I remember the worst, the worst for me. Oh my goodness. The worst for me is like my friend Barry. Well, we're not friends anymore, but back then when we were friends, I remember he, we were inside at his house. And his car got stolen, right? Literally got stolen because he was like an MP and he was like a bit, he was, he was out and his car, and the next day they found his car, it was burnt and the word, with the F word, that that gay slur was painted on it and burnt. All these things created this, this bubble and I was like, I need to go. I had to just get out. So I was like, I literally just went to, I went to like this, the, the services back home and I was like, what can I do to get out of this country? Because Who did you go to like the, the well, I went to like the embassy and stuff, and I was like, "What do I do? What do I do?" And they were like, "You know, you could like apply for like asylum and stuff if you think if you know you think your life is at risk." And I was like, "It is at risk." That happened, and then they were like, "Okay, well, you know, the UK accepted the claim," and I was like, "I got given a forty-eight hours to leave my family and move." Now imagine I am twenty-one. And, and I've been forty eight hours, get your shit together, yeah, get and you're, plane, yeah, go to London. And you're moved, yeah, you're getting sent to London. Now in in that in that in that moment, it becomes fight or flight because you have to think you have to leave everything you have known behind. And remember, I am one of not many people who got that chance. Because there are people back out there who was dying to get a chance. And I was just happened to I just happened to get that chance because, you know, they they realize the situation at hand. And I remember, like, looking at my, like, thinking to myself, I have 40 hours to say my goodbyes to my family. And that was hard. How did you feel about leaving your family behind? Do you know what? that's quite complex, isn't it? Do you know what? Happened. I, this might sound really bad, but at that time I was like, you know, I need to go. Yeah. I'm because you know what it was? I was like, my family have lived their life and they're cushy because they're straight. They're accepted. They're yeah, accepted. They're I was like, it, yeah. I'm not, I was like, I can't stay here. No, and I have friends dying around me every single day. Yeah. I was like, I need to go. And it was sad leaving my family behind. But then I had to think to myself, if I stay, I'm on limited time mm-hmm. because I know for a fact, if like today or tomorrow I can get killed. And that's that's the re- that's where reality hits in. Like it's either you do you stay and you you fly under the radar, or you leave and become who you have to be. And in that moment, I was like, yeah, I'm out of here. And I remember being on that uh, and that that whole that flight drama. Wow, remember, remember that? On, tell me about remember that, that, that Ashcloud drama? Oh, was that, was that the- I, yeah, I was caught up in that Ashcloud drama. How? So I just got an image of you being on a, on a plane <laughs> over a. A volcano. Ah, <laughs> Gonna die. Yeah. What's happened there? It's what? very Paman. Were you, <laughs> were you, what, you on your way over or what? Yeah, what we were on the way to, to London and then there was like, oh, well, your flight's being delayed. The incentive. End up in fucking Bolivia. So you got that, di- you were on your way to London escaping yeah. persecution yeah. and you were diverted to Bolivia because yeah. a volcano. Love that, it. it? How mad is that oh, story? Oh, God. It's like one persecution to the next. It's like, oh, you're leaving this now. This is going to happen. Love that. And then, so then I got to UK and then, you know, um, then I think the other drama was then you have to, because when you go through that home office claim, you have to prove that you're gay. 
Right. Oh my days. And that don't they often? Sorry to interrupt. Don't they often say, "Oh, but you could have just blended in at home," because that's what I've heard, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. People, just straighten it up a bit and don't yeah. act gay. How yeah. much that? Yeah. They was like, "Oh well, you know," and I'm just like, "I'm not gonna act any." I was like, "I have done that for these past twenty one years. I've acted straight for so long. Now mm. I'm not doing it." And they, I'm telling you now, Graham, they ask you all the questions that you could think under the sun. Like what? Go on. What sort oh, of when was the first time you had gay sex? Did what you like it? Did, did you like it? Yeah. That's the question they ask. What do else? you know? Do you? Uh, is it? Is it something you enjoy? Well, if I'm uh, let me let me stop myself here. Let me let me let me, let me just let me just retrain my brain. No, if you think, I, imagine asking a straight person that was the first time you had sex with your wife. Um, yeah, did you enjoy it? It's like, yeah. well, fucking. Yeah, what if she was shit? Well, what yeah. if she was shit in bed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's what they ask you. They ask, they ask you all these. Re- I know it's really interesting, and I know this is. I know that's how they work. They ask the questions in a different way to see if you get you give it the same answer. So they'll ask you one question once, and then maybe in a month they will change the answer in a different in a different way. Yeah, yeah. And I I probably had about seventeen hundred interviews. And the worst thing out of this was during the time when you're waiting for your claim to go through, you have to live off thirty five pounds a week. You're not allowed to work. You're not allowed mind. to work. You can't go to school. You can't do anything. You just have to do. What did you like, do? Stay home and sleep. I mean, they put you in a nice house with a TV, but then you're shamed with you get other... a TV in prison. Well, that's you. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they put you. They put you in like a, a nice little house, and they put me in Bolton. Wow, Bolton. So they, they moved me from London to Bolton. But first, first, by the way, I was living in a in an immigration this, this this like center and stuff because there's a lot of drama. Happened. Detention center. Yeah. Which one? Uh, one like the one in Kent. That it shut Yarns down now. That one. Yeah, but it was. I will tell you this: the worst thing about being in those is if you have a shower, please make sure you wear slippers Why? because everyone in that shop because you live because you're living in a in a combined like you're sharing a room with like eight other people. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the men who used to live there will, you know, ejaculate in the showers. Oh. So you will literally go and have a oh, shower and it's like... Those, yeah, because they don't have a chance to have Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, this is happening. I am telling you now, there are many times I'll go and have a shower and I'm just like, oh, great. You slipped on some spunk. Literally, literally. And in a, in, and it's like, it's worse how you know is because you'll be having a shower and the water just wouldn't go down because the hole's been covered with... With jizz. With jizz. Imagine that. <laughs> no, I <laughs> Imagine that. So it's like, oh great. So not only am I am I in hell, I can't have a shower in peace. Because chances are there's, there's <laughs> spunk floating in around. Spunk. All these children is the all these all these children is on the floor. <laughs> Love that for me. <laughs> wow. So that's something. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to come back from that. It, when in immigration detention, always be careful you don't slip in the shower. Yeah, a, love that. I mean, you don't, you, don't, you, don't, you, you, you don't have a choice because you don't get your own room. Yeah, so, so otherwise... Yeah. Yeah, it causes And men, we're, we're, we're men for God's sakes. You, well, how, what are yeah. you going to do? Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Especially when you can't, there's not much else to do. Mm. That's yeah. all I do. I know. I know. <laughs> That's all you will do. It's like all. I mean, to be fair, I know this is this is a bit off the topic, but oh. in immigration center, you find the most fittest men. Oh my god! Was this because you were just had nothing else to do? So you, when someone attractive did come, and you were like, there are many oh times I god. wanted to ride the faces of all the the Brazilian boys. <laughs> 
I would think to myself, I will ride you like a donkey. <laughs> but then I'm like, at the same time, I'm in a det- detention center. So <laughs> people must have sex in detention centers. Of course they do, because people have sex in, it's a bit like being in prison, isn't it? It's like a kind of a prison. Yeah, but that's that's the thing. Well, we but, don't like to call it that. No, but, but then, but the thing is, right? You've uh, done nothing wrong. You will have a solo room if you have like a mental disability or something uh, like that. Right. But everyone else, you have to share. A, you're you're literally sleeping in like a, a ten man room as a camp. It's like fucking camping, mm. and you have to share a bathroom and all that. So it's like, so it's like you can. It's like at the end of the day, you can't turn it wrong. And like, if there are chances are you might turn it wrong, and someone might be getting himself off. Mm. Because it's like, what do you do? It, you know what? It, that it's a be, ride. Yeah. How it's long did that go on for though? How long were you living there? For example, when you when you arrived from Trinidad, uh, how long were you living in like, immigration detention before they were like, right, we're going to send you to Bolton? Uh, Bolton's not a bad. Nine either. months. Nine months. Wow. Nine months. Yeah. I've been on remand. And you know what? And I will tell you this though. Side topic. There, I cre- I ended up having a kind of like relationship in there with Our this boy. Best. Now he was straight. Right. And nothing happened, but. <laughs> No, every single night when I go to bed, he will like go nosh himself off in because we had like a makeshift. He would nosh bath. himself off. Yeah, like, do you know what you just said there? Yeah. He would suck his own dick. Yeah, because he, he could do that. Fuck off. <laughs> no wonder so, you were keen. Oh yeah. So I was like, oh I love that for you. But yeah, so anyway, um, and then like, we had like a really good friendship and then after I came out and, and, and stuff and he was like, oh, when are you, when are you go, would you, would you, would you go see my wife? And I'm like, oh God, no, not this. Oh, really? Not a wife. I was like, does she know you could do this? No. Makes sense. <laughs> that's such a story. But that's, the, yeah. So many layers to that story. <laughs> it's uh, immigration detention, auto fellatio. Yeah. Like, Love that. Amazing. Um, Listen, I want you to come back in and chat again because there's so much more to chat about, isn't there? Really? Speak to my PR team, I'm busy. Who are they? <laughs> Who are they? Amazon.com. <laughs> <laughs> the lovely Nick Charles in conversation with us. We're back yes. next time. Bye. Play Outcast UK on TikTok and Instagram. Just search Play Outcast UK.